0: to wake the bear radio with your host brandon johnson chris hurst and ron powers
1: From yeah what a night what a night time oh, to wake the bear once what again day. what a day
0: you know earlier this, uh, today i mean I, I just i'm still thinking about that interview we had yeah so, but well i guess we'll get on to that yeah
1: we got chris on the board tonight it's gonna be amazing Thank you, Chris. Yes, Yes. it's
2: going to be good. And when we say wake the bear, we are not talking about Russia. We are talking about California. We are going to wake up the listeners of California to all the things that they need to respond to. And I want to just start out by saying those listeners that called in about AB2223 to uh, the legislature, that um, they were so overwhelmed uh, with callers say to have them say no uh, against that bill that they wouldn't even take uh, comments. Wow. they just they just said, "What do you want to say?" And it was, take the call and get the comment quick and hang up. and wow. they were there was quite a cue.
1: What was the was the infanticide bill, or was it the uh, no work, no jab, no work bill? Which one was that
2: today? Well, the that one, the the no no jab, no work bill, actually, they it never got introduced. Hallelujah! And so that on Friday was taken off by its author, yeah, who okay. was Assemblyperson Wicks, and she mm. happened to write the same AB two 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 three.
1: She's writing bad bills. So yep. remember that Wix. What's the what's her name? Wix. Uh, yeah,
2: that's it. Sharon Wix. I think it's District 22 in Oakland. Yeah.
1: So we need to see that yep. person not be writing bills because they're not really good at it. That's yeah. right. Remember that time? Next time we vote. Yep. In that area. Well, we got an amazing show t- for you tonight. Um, it Blows me away who we have on our show tonight. We uh, we actually had to interview him today because he, he, there was a, a schedule conflict for tonight. But we are going to be talking about. Igor Lopatonic, Lopatonic right? Yep. That's it. Who is the uh, executive producer of Ukraine on Fire and Revealing Ukraine, um, which starred Oliver Stone. So he worked with Oliver Stone and collaborated on these, these films, um, began them in 2014 and uh, published in 2016. So um, these two films, I'm telling you right now, if, you, if you're talking about Ukraine but you have not seen these films, you're most likely talking out of ignorance. And one of the things, the reason we wanted to have this guy on and the reason we wanted to interview him is because right now the, so the media is demanding you have a position on something you know nothing about most likely. And I think that it is actually by design that we don't know what has taken place in Ukraine over the last 30, 40 years because there are powerful people who have been laundering money, there's been human sex trafficking, there's child pornography, there's a whole bunch of wicked things that have been happening in Ukraine that have been hidden to the Western, to, to the West. And so um, it's almost like, you know, we know that, uh, you know, President Trump made a phone call to, over there and he got impeached for just making a phone call trying to just find out what was going on, Right. So uh, apparently there's people that don't not, do not want us to understand what's going on over there. And one of the things that stuck out to me just recently is I was going on to Google. And if you go on to Google and you go on to your Google Photos, you have to click, you, uh, we um, stand with Ukraine unequivocally, you know, with Ukraine. And it was like... And then to even go on to use your, your photos. And I was like, wow, that's weird. It's like programming, programming all the way around. <gasps> that is. Standard Ukraine. Before Ukraine. Russia's bad. Now, granted, Russia's bad. There's no good guys out there, okay, in this battle. But it, to say that it's unequivocally for one country when you don't even realize that it's not even a unified country. It's a bunch of, you know, state, you know. Um, regions that are undisunified. So. Oh, yeah, on the brink of civil war. Right. I mean, yeah.
2: And I think what we want to say is that we're not against the Ukrainian people. We're not against the Russian people. Right. What we are against is taking our choices away. And what, what was done to you, Brandon, by you will agree to this before you can get to the Google Maps, was taking your choice away.
1: Right. Demanding that I uh, acquiesce to their assertions. Uh, because that's the right thing to believe, and so we're basically being demanded to have a position on something that most Americans have no- know nothing about, and so we just want, like, if there's a fight on the schoolyard, okay, and this is not a great illustration, but why did the fight occur? What was the the what did each person have against the other person to create an escalation, and that is what most people don't know, and so that is why we're bringing on Igor. Lopatonic, that's why we interviewed him today. That's why we encourage you to watch Ukraine on Fire, the first film, and then revealing Ukraine. And I'll tell you what, uh, for me, it was like drinking through a fire hose. Like, there's so much information. And it was so well done that you have, I'm going to have to watch it like three or four times to just uh, digest all the content.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, you know, the interesting thing about him is he had a background of being a rocket scientist. Wow. <laughs> and so he's very analytical. And as a result, he has so much detail. And so even when he was working with Oliver Stone, Oliver Stone's like, you know what? this is just too much to digest. <laughs> uneditable. Said, yeah, it
1: was undigestible. Uneditable. <laughs> so. Your first one's uneditable, and your second one is undigestible.
0: And so he took it and just cut pieces out of it. I mean, he took like 40 minutes out of it, two-hour show. Yeah. So, and, and after that, Igor's like, you know, that actually looks better now. You know, so uh, the wisdom of um, Oliver Stone on that one. So uh, we had so much, even in that interview, we tried to keep it down, and it was like... You know twice as long and so what I did is I, I cut it into sound clips and, and we'll talk about sound clips because he is so analytical and yeah I, I don't want the audience to get lost because you know a lot of people like sound bites and so we're gonna yeah. go with sound bites as a result a last minute uh, programming here at the station mm-hmm. I hope it works uh, if not we'll have our sound engineer to to uh, figure that out so I'm gonna just test the first one um, just a sound clip where he's just talking about um, the CIA is in Hollywood, yeah. and, and you know, something that we've been saying all along. Yeah. So, let me just give it a shot and we'll see if this works.
1: It, and I don't hear it, so it's, it's playing low. Uh, our engineer is at his seat or not. Nope, okay, okay.
0: As a result, uh, keep talking. I'm going to work with you Well, okay, so the
1: first one, the first clip, uh, I was saying to him that, you know, a lot of Americans don't know what's going on over there. That was one of the prefaces that Oliver Stone was when he was interviewing um, the Ukrainian leaders and interviewing Putin. He was saying, listen, I'm an outsider to this conflict. I don't understand what it is. Can you tell me about it? And and basically um, what... Igor said was, well, the problem is also is that there are people in in every level of our media, including the Hollywood, who are CIA operatives, and they are actually creating a narrative um, that... that fits us, you know, creating a specific narrative to get you to believe certain things. And he actually used the word technology. It's actually mm-hmm. been, it's fashioned technology. I think about the scripture, how the Bible says that no weapon that is fashioned against us will stand. Like it was a form of like deception and a fashioning of, of technology hmm. um, to basically cause people not to be able to have an opinion. And one of the things, one of the things he said, I liked in the one of, he said that, um, uh, the new the, the magazine, um, Wall Street Journal. It wasn't the Wall Street Journal. It was the um, New York Times. Came out with an article and said the ten things the only the ten things you need to know about Ukraine to understand Ukraine. And he was like, oh my gosh! Not only was it like a poor written article, but like to even say there's only ten things you need to know to fully understand Ukraine. That in itself. Yeah. It creates this uh, uh, op, uh, like oh no I'm I'm listening to non-bias information and it was like it's all bias. Yes, yeah, so
2: it simplifies. I, I think that was probably more the New York Post than the New York Times. Yes, New York Post, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. It's funny because I was reading an article about uh, New York Post last night and about some of the atrocities that are going on, some of the stories, and like people are saying, oh no, do you not? You, so you think it's all big movie over there and you're, there's no atrocities? I'm like, no. Anytime there's you know, con- physical conflict war, there's going to be atrocities by both sides. War is horrible, and we should always stand against it. And it was interesting, because that's one of the things Igor said. He said, the number one job of a president or of a people, of a leader of a people, is to to not go to war at the very, very last resort. Like, not lead your people into war, because war is that bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a couple of things that he made. He said, "How are we doing for uh, clips?"
0: Uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play it the old-fashioned way uh, until our sound engineer has it worked out. Uh, awesome. So I'm just gonna hold it up to the mic. Great for. It. Uh, so I'm just gonna go with uh, the first clip here. Let's
1: see. So we realize that in independent journalism is very important for us that really know what's going on. So that's really our focus is wake the bear, question the narrative, wake people up to what's really going on and, and, and interview people that have something to say that would help us understand all of what's going on, not just what we're being told on the mainstream media.
3: Don't forget another stuff, uh, another things about media. Media is not only biased; media is also infiltrated by, sorry to say CIA uh, agents uh, and uh, influencer. And there's yes. not just a few of them. It's a thousand of them. And not only the media, the, the Hollywood as well as, uh, infiltrate. I just finished the, uh, uh, reading a very good book about this. Was Oliver Stone recommended me to read this called National Security Hollywood.
0: Okay, so it sounds like that um, Oliver Stone is on board as well. I mean, he's saying, you know, he's suggesting uh, we use this book and he told him to read it. Um, Another one is, uh, let's go with Iger's background a little bit. Uh, Yeah. So, so, you know, what credibility does he have? Uh, Because, you know, that's something as far as evaluating the the message. We care about that.
2: And we know he he was Russian-born and, I'm sorry, he was Ukrainian-born and he worked in Russia, he worked in the United States, and he also worked in Ukraine. So he's got a lot of Mm. experience.
3: I was in a big business before, back in my youth, starting in the independent business at the time of USSR still exists, 1991, working for American company in Moscow, back to Ukraine, established my own, make millions, lost them, make another hundreds of millions, lost them again, and decide to calm down, stop making a lot of money, uh, go work uh, to, to the bank, my bank. Uh go we'll work for government for one more year. I was in the regional government of Dnipropetrovsk area where I come from. After that, I established some law company. It was pretty boring for me. In 2005, my hobby, I'm an aerobatic pilot. I'm piloting this whole place, <laughs> doing like crazy manuals, loops and others. <laughs> I even champion of Ukraine in the second league in 2004.
1: Well. Yeah, he was the champion of aerobatic, aer- aerobatic flight with small planes, which you, you kind of have that in common with him. You like to, you like to fly <laughs> <cutting> and surf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know it's interesting. He's, he said he had his own bank. So that kind of money that he made, I mean, he was definitely. Yeah, he said
2: hundreds of, yeah, yeah. He he hundreds of millions. <laughs> yeah, did he say hundreds of millions? I know. <laughs>
0: I put tens of millions in my notes just in case he meant. But then when you know, he did say his own bank uh, that he had his own bank. So, so anyway, this is a guy that's definitely involved in commerce. He knows what's going on. He's from uh, Ukraine and Russia. He's been in both places, and so we feel like his message. Could be more credible than someone out of college here going on CNN and saying what they think, you well, know. Yeah, he he's,
2: definitely has a compassion for the Ukrainian people. He understands the uh, geopolitical situation, and he has seen uh, what has been going on. I, I just could feel his heart wrench as he was—he's been watching from America the things that are. Uh, transpiring in Ukraine at this time. Uh, He brought forth... The story that he brought forth was he started uh, really in the 1990s and how things were beginning to simmer in Ukraine, that this isn't a new situation. And then into uh, 2014, um, when things really started boiling and there was a big regime change, and then uh, he brought it up to 2022 when things really blew up here, which is our modern history right now, that happened since October 21 to now. Mm.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm just wondering what the next clip do well, we want to go with? As- I think, you know, I, I think that one of the things he said was that, you know, like Oliver Stone saw his first cut because Oliver Stone was in the movie. He was doing all the interviewing um, that he said that Oliver Stone said that the movie was like he needed to make it more digestible. So I think some of the stuff we're talking about right now is kind of kind of some of the l- lesser digestible aspects of it. But I think we should definitely cover it. Like 1991, Ukraine becomes independent from USSR. From 1991 to 2004, there's it's peaceful with Russia, and then the economics and trade. And then, and in 2004, it took a turn, right? And so, um,
0: yeah. So let's uh, let me just play that clip. Yeah, uh, a little bit of the history that uh, Igor started. Um, talking Ukraine about.
3: Ukraine announced independence from uh, uh, Soviet Union. Okay. So it's all started in 1991 until 2000. 2000- for first coup in uh, ukraine everything was practically okay because that was understanding that the russia is a big neighbor all economy very integrated it's a biggest trade partner and it's the energy source
0: okay so it's a good neighbor they're in good good um Communication with them. I mean, they, they have economics and trade with them. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like uh, there was quite a bit of time where
1: there was pretty much peace there. And yeah. so. Well, um, well, and Ukraine is like a huge cash crop as far as like wheat. Um, the land is really prosperous. Um, it's, it has a history of being um, in the middle of the West and the East. So people would fight over this land. And, and I loved in the first movie, it talked about how. Um, this, the, this was almost like a football. You know, it was a buffer between the West and the East, between Europe and the East. And so, like, the the amount of goods and resources, like, if if people managed Ukraine well, it would be prosperous. The problem is, is that it's broken up and there's factions fighting each other and that are keeping it from being prosperous. And then, of course, there's interference by foreign companies who are making... Millions and laundering money through them, which he gets into later. But I, I don't know where you want to want to go.
0: Yeah, let's go with the next uh, clip. It's about you talking about being having a forced position yeah. where we're forced. And then uh, Igor talks about the uh, Igor. I'm sorry. He, t- he talks about the media manipulation. So let's go with that.
1: This is very fascinating because you know, like you said this in the very beginning when we started, that most Americans, you, 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 the number one thing you're doing these films for is to educate. Most of us have no idea what's going on, and we're being demanded to take a p- position on a very sophisticated 5D chess po- you know, geopolitical, with a ma- this massive history, and we and most of us have no idea what the history is. And our media is telling us we should be for this and this guy's good and this guy's bad and none of the middle grays. And so when I watched your first film, I mean, the film that I watched first was your um, Ukraine on fire. Mm -hmm. I was blown away by just you going back through the history of this. It's been the Ukraine has been like this football in the middle of the West and the East. And it's constantly been taken back and forth and people switching sides and all the way through from like back to like what the, the, the 10th century 11th century right uh, so I, that blew me away and i and i just realized wow our our media and our elites are demanding that i have a position on something i have no knowledge of
3: and i just i have a, I have a good example new york times publishing articles everything you should know about ukraine that's it everything you don't need to know even the role of different and this is later we can touch it because this is a technology of manipulation of mind what they doing they saturating the the table of media perception with a seven or ten or eleven different polyphonic voices saying exactly the same things and they erasing eliminating censoring banning every alternative vision on a topic and you and people who see this here, that here, exactly same, exactly same, exactly same, they start to believe. This is the technology. This is not uh, something that's happened accidentally. This is how it's described in, in techniques of informational war. And this is military techniques, because informational war now is on a level of, uh, you know, of uh, even more than conventional war. You know, you see what's going on in Ukraine. Now they have a tremendous military losses. But they win in the informational war because they saturated the media with they uh, produced fake news, they produced narration, and they win. In. They engage in more and more Europe in a dangerous things to be involved in this country.
0: Yeah. So, you know, here he's involved in the media, so he knows what the power of the media is, and he also um, is involved with some very uppity-up people. That are in financing and stuff, and I think he he has a good foundation to say, hey, this is military tactics. I mean, he's talking with a lot of uh, he's talked with elites before. I mean, just being in the f- uh, financial um, district and stuff of uh, Ukraine. So,
2: yeah, I think one of the things that that uh, we want to bring up on the show tonight is that these same tactics that he's talking about Ukraine, they're they're working against us in every significant uh, realm of the poli- political agenda in America and so the the censorship the restraining of information it is an information war so if you don't understand uh, what he is saying is it's by design uh, that the Information coming in is is nebulous. It's difficult to understand. It's uh, it's definitely going through a filter that uh, mainstream media wants you to hear, and there is agenda behind it. And so we want to begin to encourage people to really look into Cena's his, his uh, film, which gives a long history, and look at it as a documentary and um, with with discernment. We talked about discernment in act- last week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, he was saying, and I think the movie says this too, is that you need to realize that these same tactics are being used all over the world to destabilize populations and countries, and they're perfecting, like the CIA, these various three-letter organizations have perfected the technology of destabilizing countries to manipulate the end goals. and we saw that with the summer of fires and antifa and rioting and we and i we said that to him we'll get to that towards the end isn't this the same tactics he's like that's exactly what they were doing and the reason he made the movie was to say that to, to expose the fact that those tactics were tested in Ukraine and then are being used now in Canada and they're being used in the United States with January 6 and these tactics to create good guy bad guys and then manipulate the minds of people to believe a certain narrative.
2: Yeah, he even has stated that there were some people from Ukraine that were shipped into America during that time to help infiltrate the BLM Antifa movement they were and to. They were, they were, yeah, uh, they came in uh, on the border in Seattle and they, uh, some of the, the uh, Portland stuff that was started was, they, they found Ukrainians. Yeah,
1: 300, 300 Ukrainians were arrested mm-hmm. in Portland. -hmm. Being involved,
0: and there was a a person you know, the guy with the big horns that was on uh, January Uh sixth. You know, the the Viking-looking guy. There was a guy right next to him. Was a big name in Ukraine. Um, I can't remember the name right now, but he was right next to him. Wow! I mean,
1: the photos and it's clear as day. Well, and that's there. And there's so the tactics are really clear, and they're actually super brutal. Like the ones that we talk about. He talks about in the movie the um, the massacre, the met the. Uh, Maidon. Yeah, Maidon. The Maidan massacre: um, people leading people into a place where they were going to get killed. That we saw that some of that yeah, happen. And by God's grace, we didn't see that type of slaughter happen in January 6. But that, that was, those are the tactics that were used on January 6th. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So I, let's just go. Uh, since we're, we've been pushing the movie, let's go with a little lighter uh, clip, just about uh, Oliver Stone and yeah, go ahead. What, he, if, <laughs> what he was doing with uh, Igor's movie here.
3: So. Uh, 2016, when we released the film, traction was gained. We, we got some, uh, because, you know, we, we go to Kremlin, we interview Putin. That was uh, one. After that, we find a way to find and to interview the runaway president uh, of Ukraine, Yanukovych. And uh, and after that, we have a great opportunity to, to work with Robert Perry, who is amazing, uh, brilliant mind. Uh, the guy who blowed the story of Iran Contras uh, about how CIA is selling drugs in the United States and uh, and funding from this proceedings the, the counter-revolution movements in uh, Nicaragua. So Robert Perry come on board. So we, ha- we, have, we got our film. And the problem was how to tell the story because it's such a lot of new information but the 70% of this information is completely new for the audience and we limited by one and a half hours. So this is why Ukrainian fire was a little bit undigestible. And the first cut, what I showed to Oliver, used you know, like, like a kind of mosaic storytelling from here to here, jumping back and forth. He watched it, he called okay, disaster. Give me that Blu ray. I gave him Blu ray, he threw it in the trash can. It said Igor and uh, Alexis, this is my editor, tomorrow, 9 a.m., in the cutting room. And you see, I was. I was really, oh my God, I did it. six months of cutting and he threw away my cut. And I, I was first time director, <laughs> a lot of time producer. Imagine, first time director, I think I'm useless. I'm, I'm <laughs> First day, we fixed uh, 30 minutes or 40 minutes of for a cut. It was much more straightforward. Uh, do like a timeline. I think it's like, wow. So first things what Oliver teach me was make it uh, make it more easy. Make it straightforward. Don't play with your mind. Don't try to be, you know, creative, kind of, Tarantino kind of, uh, <laughs> cut thing. no. Tell the story, because the story is hard to digest, hard to understand. Tell the story. I still believe that uh, pace of Ukrainian fire, a little bit too fast. But it is... There, there's a lot is, there. Yeah. And you're
0: rocket science. So it's- since you're a rocket scientist, you like details, you're analytical. And so you probably had a ton of great stuff, but it's a lot. And so, uh, and it was a lot. I, I watched it three times and, and i would taken notes. I feel like I understand it fully now, but it was yeah. all there from yeah. the first time I watched it. I just, uh, it, there's a lot. So yeah, that's anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, an analytical, but, you know, if you want to really understand what's happening over there, you have the detail. And that's the nice thing about it. And so, and I, I actually complimented him on the graphics because I thought that helped. We you know, you see the map changing and, and just you could visually see what the history was happening rather than just hearing it. And so, I, I paid him a compliment and then he, he quickly said, oh, you know, I was too wordy and, and stuff like that, so...
2: Well, one of the things that he said was it was difficult because 70% of the information was new to the listening public that he was trying to get the story out to. Now, why is it that 70% of this information is new to us? It's because... Nobody's been telling us the truth on the media. We've been given sound bites. We've been given kindergarten-level history and world events, uh, and it's all through the lens of of some agenda. And so I've just got to hand it to him, he he had a challenge because our news media was not doing what they should have done, which was... um,
1: And our schools.
2: And our schools, but but creating, uh, just with the expectation that we are thinking, um, we are intelligent, we want to know, we don't want to just veg out. I mean, the majority of Americans, they want to know, but they haven't, you know, they kind of get dumbed down because... The television is is telling the wrong vision.
1: Yeah, when well, Igor was saying that his son was in college and they were talking about um, the allies in World War Two and they were saying they they listed all the allies and they didn't list Russia as one of our allies in World War Two. And it was like and he said, Oh no, Russia's an ally, and the teacher's like, No no. I'm like, No. Russia was fighting against the Nazis with us from the Eastern Front. We were all at war together. We were an ally at that time because later, of course, we you know the we turned Russia into the, the big bad wolf again, and, you know, they were the evil ones. And so, but th- that's how our, our, our educational system is. It's, 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 right. We're leaving out that part that Russia lost 27 million people in that war. Yeah. And and so they have a big stake in the land right next door where this, these wars were taking place, both in Poland and, in, and Ukraine.
2: Yeah, and that was the California school system that his son is in.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What used to be number one now it's like 48. <laughs> <laughs> I know, oh, but well. it's the
2: most expensive. We we spend more well, on education. Well, if you education. just put more money
1: into things, it gets better, right? That's right.
0: <laughs> According to the government. According to the government. <laughs> so hey, I'm going to skip the next two sound bites. But what we covered in those were uh, revealing re Ukraine, which was the second movie, right. and he basically is interviewing Victor Medvedchuk. If I hope I said that right, Medvedchuk. Medvedchuk. Yeah. Um, and um, he actually has a daughter. Who, check. Yeah. And he had Putin as his godfather, uh, as her godfather. Her godfather. And so, you know, there's definitely a respect there, and uh, it was definitely some inside things. What was really interesting, though, was that, he, you know, he couldn't get his film really approved in Hollywood. 'Cause the wrong story. It's the wrong story. And so he did little research and you know who was on the board of the film industry that, that made those decisions? Hmm. Chelsea Clinton. So Whoa. he's like, I have nothing. To, of course I expect nothing, you know. Uh if if she's on the board, they're not gonna allow that because her mother, you know, her it, involvement. It exposes in Ukraine. her mother's involvement in Ukraine. Yeah. Play that one, man. That Um Yeah, I guess I could play that one. That was really good. Uh yeah, let me cue it up here. Here we go.
3: And after that, of course, everyone starts calling us here as a Putin apologist, Yanukovych apologist. Nobody, nobody. But who? Who? Uh, the the um, magazine like a Daily Beast? The Daily Beast. Uh-huh. So we, we start to find why they so mad at us. Yeah. Why? So if I know, it's very simple that the Daily Beast owned and uh, belonged to the company, Hollywood company called IAC, big one, holding. And I see, like, guess who is a uh, chief of the board? Like well, Chelsea Clinton. Of course, if we call in the Hillary, like a warmonger in this film, and you call in his officers and the and the staff, so you, of course they will be uh, release the dogs and you, and they will be barking. So we don't we don't pay a lot of attention to this yeah. because they try to, of course, to destroy our.
1: Yeah, right. so the question was, like, these people are calling you just Russian propagandists. So you're, you're just a Russian apologist. You're just a pro-Putin, you know, a pawn. You know, you're, why? And that was one of the questions we were asking, how do you deal with that? And then he says, well, the, the people that are saying this are people that have major interest in our movie not getting out to actually expose some of the darkness that's out there. And, of course, Wake the Bear is about exposing darkness. So, you know, and that's why we're bringing this up.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the next sound clip actually starts getting into the Nazi topic. And, you know, I've had a lot of pushback with uh, friends, like, oh, are they really Nazis? Because, you you know, we use that word so much, you know, like the soup Nazi on Seinfeld or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so uh, he really actually goes into a little bit of detail here. So I'm going to cue that one up real quick. There we go. Can I I just interject?
2: Because last week we were talking uh, about um there really aren't black hats and white hats like we want to make vilify someone or make someone uh, into a superhero so we can take sides Uh, we want to get on a side and the truth in this situation is that there's so many shades of gray that it's very it's part of the complexity and what you're describing is um is that uh, people want if you you present the alternate uh, view uh, that that they just shove you over into that camp and say, oh, you are now uh, promoting Putin's agenda, uh, or or your we're. I went into a store yesterday and mm-hmm. I was buying a gift for a friend, and everything in the store was blue and yellow. And I thought, what in the world is going on? And the lady said, we are in support of Ukraine. And I thought, she has no idea what she's supporting. And that's the the piece uh, uh, in our ability to discern what's going on right now in Ukraine. Um, the clarity of the message that you're bringing is really, really important. I love that you're you're bringing the opposite that what mainstream media is. What would you say to the regular Americans right now is going on in Ukraine?
3: First of all, be very aware about whom you're supporting. Because nothing but, from the first point of view, with a lot of yellow and blue color to support Ukraine and this such a humanitarian catastrophe they now but you know I see already different colors I see already in Santa Monica and a protest organized by Ukrainian uh, diaspora I see already black and red color and this is a color of uh, ultra-right Nazi movement Ukrainian rebellious army and uh, United Ukrainian nationalists and I see already people uh, in the picture on facebook when when is said glory to ukraine on the background the motto glory to ukraine you know when the Mikhail Hitler was a salutation in a nazi germany so ukrainian nationalists copycat they need to have something during the world war ii to greet each other they said glory to ukraine and glory to hero as a response and they start using that together with a movement of right hand. So this is, when people start posting this, next things they will call people subhuman as a Ukrainian prime minister or current sitting president call the people living in Donbass as a subhuman. You know who invented Who called that subhumans first? That was a Nazi. So when you support supporting Ukrainian uh, people, please be aware, do not support the very dark and very shadowy part of this movement, because all Ukrainian ideology based on, a, on that Ukrainian nationalist ideology, and this ideology is a complete Nazi ideology, because they believe so Ukrainians is a special nation who has their special rights because they born Ukrainians, and they built that military don't solve the after of this. He's come from Tunis. it's not even Stefan bandera who was an open co- collaborator to nazi regime uh, and other and they call him the street names in, in in the they give him a status of hero of ukraine and the guy guy hands uh, in blood and and they more and more mythologizing this and they more and more training people so now for this last eight years the kids who was go to kindergarten now they serving in a in the army and they completely brainwashed. They believed that the Russians are the enemy. They believe the Soviet Union attacked Ukraine in 1941, and they was fighting together with European ally. <laughs> European ally was Nazi Hitler <laughs> against the evil empire of Soviets. So this is how deep that brainwashing come, mm. and they spreading this, they spreading this. So one step to apology of Nazi and all this genocide. You know. And in Russia and in Soviet Union, every practically every family they have casualties in the World War II. Twenty-seven million people die. My own family, my mother lost her right arm when she accidentally picked up the igniter for the landmine and it's blowing her in her head when she was fourteen and they returned to Ukraine uh, from the evacuation from Turkmen. Wow. And so the,
1: yeah, I mean, there you go. He just says, "Be careful what you think you're supporting, because the ideology there on the other side, the European I- ideology in World War II, um, was was Nazi in the mm-hmm. West, right?" Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I mean, even Stephen Bandera, who was called a hero, was a, was a, was a collaborator with the Nazis. So the, the there's a lot of. He said the last eight years has been tons of Ukrainian brainwashing, so they don't even realize. Who they? If they were going to uh, work with the uh, Europeans, they're basically working with the Nazis, right? Yeah,
0: you know, Stephen Bandera was. He was kind of like the forefather of the whole, you know, Ukrainian nationalist Nazi. I mean, he was very militant. Very. I think if I remember right, the other week I said he got uh, the twelfth most anti-Semitic leader award from uh, the Weissman. Uh, they they do a you know an evaluation of wow. who, who's the most anti-Semitic. And so, you know, he was declared a hero years later uh,
1: in Ukraine. So that's the kind of government half of Ukraine is. Well, I think that's the point, yeah. is that Ukraine is not a unified nation. It's a bunch of factions and regions who have different allegiances to each different. I mean, the Donetsk and the Donbass area, I mean... They, some of the estimates are like 12 to 20,000 civilians over the last 10 years have been killed by by the nationalist, mm-hmm. right, ultra-right nationalist Nazi groups, yeah. and that's part of the reason why Putin is going in. Is this say that this has to stop? Now, he's not. A, I'm not saying Putin's a good guy. Don't get me wrong, but there, you know, there is some. There is some reason for why this guy has a a difference of opinion about how things are going on, and we need to hear both sides. And what I loved, you know, we have have a little time left, but I loved how he kind of wrapped some of it up with what needs to happen is America and other countries need to stop throwing weapons into the battlefield, prolonging a war that, that Ukraine cannot win against Russia, and get them to the table to negotiate concessions. Which is what we're all saying here. Slow down the rush to war, get both sides to the table to negotiate concessions. And the one of the things that he says about um Zelensky is that because of all the brainwashing, that they don't even know that, 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 that Russia has concessions that they want to see and they won't won't even consider the concessions and, and because they're committed to the full war, the full just resistance, and would resist them altogether.
2: Right.
3: And
1: I just say, you know, hey, if we can bring peace in that region, I'm not talking about just appeasement. I'm not talking about, like, Russia, you know, appeasing Nazi Germany. I'm talking about, like, bringing peace, figuring out what the concessions should be because there's a group of people, lots of groups of people in that land that consider themselves to be culturally Russian. And, and they were for, you know...
2: Yeah, for a long time. For a very they, long time. Yeah, they, they were, were they were part of the the land breakup, and they found themselves as part of Ukraine instead of Russia. Hmm. I think uh, one of the things that he brought out with the color, what, know what you're you're supporting with the blue and the the yellow. Because you might also be supporting the black and the red, not knowing, because there is a lot of cloak and dagger stuff. Organized crime has been part of Ukraine for years and years and years. That's not a secret. They have run lucrative black markets during the Soviet control. When the communists left, they were basically thought, oh, we hit a jackpot. Now we can run our ethnic crime gangs without any... um, anybody over without any oversight and so ethnic mafias arose and out of this uh, that's when a lot of the the cartels partnered with NGOs and a lot of the industry in that country was influenced through black markets and through bribery and through very dishonest and corrupt means the contracts that were given were not given ethically quite often. And so to pretend that suddenly now, um, the, the, the people who are in government are, um, heroes is rather ludicrous. And we want to see Ukraine get stabilized, but to understand that there is a very dark underbelly ...of Ukraine that uh, Putin knows about. And he went in with two objectives. To take out the biolabs. He was very clear on that. And to take out the Nazi groups that were ethnically cleansing over and over and for 14 years Mm -hmm. he has been warning them do not do this do not do this I have to move in I mean those are his national people the the Russian people and many have left and have gone to Russia they've they fled from the the persecution and the um the the basic um it's it's a Crime and it's just lawlessness there in East Ukraine. Mm. so that's really what what we want to no, know we We just sent billion a billion dollars plus over to billion. Ukraine. so as a, an American, I'm very concerned where is that money going? right
1: That's your tax money going to fund something that you have not agreed upon and I, I just I looked at the picture of them and you saw Pelosi. And, and Schumer and the others standing around Joe Biden signing this money away, and they're all just cheering giddily. And it's like, okay, to what? To do, where's the money going? And then, and then of course we know there's a history of good money going there, pay to play, and then it comes back to them it comes personally. Back, yeah. I mean, I could just see them saying, "Oh, I'm going to get two million out of this," you know, this whole thing. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that really
0: concerned me. So the history, you know, basically when the Soviet Union or the uh, USSR broke up in 1991. Ukraine became independent from 1991 to 2004. They lived in peace, and then they had some struggles back and forth. And by the time you're at like 2010 or so, you you've got a um, Russian sympathizing president. And he goes and he, he's doing everything fine. Everything's going well. And then what happens is is the, the European Union starts to put pressure on him saying, we want you to sign a deal so you oh, could trade yeah. with us, become more like us, become like a European. And so he said, I want to put this on a delay. I'm not quite sure if that's what we want to do yet. And that just erupted. And that's actually in 2014. That's what happened. And so when he put a stop to that and put a pause, it started protesting. And then instantly what happened, and this is what parallels what we see here with Antifa, Black Lives Matters, and, and January 6th, is they first they created three stations in November. Uh, one day, the next day, they did a second station. Third day, three. Yeah, news three. stations. News stations, yeah. And so everyone starts watching them. And then what they did is they infiltrated the protesters. And the protesters, you know, they had honest reasons they're like hey we you know we're pro-russian peaceful but they infiltrated and they started attacking the police i mean the maltov cocktails i think we said last Mm -hmm. week and what happened was is then the police had to fight back they're like hey they're setting us on fire well you have all these stations with the cameras and so this is what they call the Maidan uh massacres and what they did is they set up Uh, Protesters, and and you can see it in the movie. This uh, Canadian did a a full investigation and detailed analysis of it, and you see it on tape. They're like, "Oh, come here, uh, protesters! Come with us here!" And they set them right there, and then boom, they get all shot from behind. There's a kill spot.
1: Yes, and video cameras were on it, and you see them just falling right over. Snipers, what they think are maybe Georgian snipers from the from the 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 country of Georgia. Georgia. Mm And they, but the the first film says to this day we 're still not even sure who was shooting all the people. They were not only shooting the protesters, they were shooting the police. so it was like it was meant to create fire it was meant to create to add more um, woundedness to both sides to actually destabilize the country well isn 't that what happened in our country in the last two years is, attempts to destabilize us, to get us to be against each other, because then they know that they can utilize and manipulate us in the midst of that chaos. Yeah, and that's exactly... It's very demonic. I mean, very straight out of the book of Zelensky or, you know, straight out of Satan's book, right? To yeah, control people. 't divide and conquer. Divide right, and conquer.
0: And that's what happened. And so, at 2014, there was such a bad, you know, 100 people got killed because they had talked with the the U.S. State Department and they said, hey, we're not just as Zelensky. Had, I mean, um, Lepotonic had said. He said, hey, we need more than a handful of casualties. You need like a hundred. Well, then they had the the heavenly hundred. Hundred people got massacred on that, in and that uh, mid on. Massacre. And so what happened was a major revolt uh, against the government saying, Hey, police brutality, it's all your fault, you know, the cameras are are saying that in the story. And then what happens is they overthrow that leader and they replace him mm-hmm. with a pro NATO. And and then from there, two thousand fourteen, for the next eight years up to now or up to February, we had persecution of of uh the Dumbass area and they they said there was like 50 uh 50,000 military deaths and uh up to 14,000 plus civilians and 500 children, children all in the Dumbass area. area and we got that from uh when we interviewed um uh John Mark Dugan John he Mark was Dugan. saying oh, they hate those guys and they just they've been persecuted and being literally less uh, than
1: human treating them less than human
0: yeah and so i mean that's two... Uh, at least two witnesses
1: yeah. that we have. Well, I, I just think, you know, we go into this war and people go into it like, oh, well, this, well, Russia's attacking, so therefore they're bad. Like, did you not pay attention to what happened to the 50,000 people that have been slaughtered in that area in the Dunbus region over the past 14 or 8 years? Uh, The 14,000 civilians, you're saying, well, I'm watching. I saw people, buildings blown up and people dead. Well, yeah, there's a military conflict going on. Well, that's, you know, that's horrible. Well, there's 14,000 civilians that were killed over the last 8 years and you said nothing. And all of a sudden you're on the side, you've picked a side. So you've, been, you've been manipulated yeah. to pick a side. That's And that's the part that bugs me, is that our media is manipulating the American people. That's the part that mm-hmm. needs to wake up people. You, yeah. you Don't just wave the flag of what you think is going on. Use your brain. Use your critical thinking skills. I mean, there's one, St. Irenaeus said, that the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. And that means using your full critical faculties to think through a, a battle, a war. Think through the, the, the information warfare that is going on all around us and 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 go, something doesn't smell right. I mean, why is it so clearly these are good guys, these are bad guys? I've never seen any area else in my life where that's been the case. Why would it all of a sudden be okay now?
2: Yeah. One of the most sobering things I thought that... Uh, that- Igor said was, uh, we asked him, what do you think that they're trying to do over there? What do you think's going on? And he said, uh, he he felt like they were trying to get a full out war with Russia Mm -hmm. going. And, and it just reminds me how the bureaucracy and the billionaires and the the banksters and the gangsters um, that rule our our uh, National Reserve and our corporations, they don't make any money during peacetime. Uh, the danger to the security of nations isn't military invasion. It's when there's an infiltration of the government of foreign billionaires sending billions and billions of um of their agenda, trying to, trying to stir things up to get things unstable in a country. And so, uh, the infiltration, um, is what, what he said They they really are trying to drive towards, um, war with, with, uh, uh, Russia and that the little pushbacks and the refusing any compromise and the sending, um, the, the bioweapon threats, uh, there's, Putin knows about him. He's he went in there because he's known and he said for 14 years, get those things off my border.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like yeah. having the bioweapon labs and weapons labs and NATO forces, you know, having Russian forces on in Mexico and in you know Canada, we, we wouldn't be okay with that either. And I, so it's just basically listening to both sides. I think that the key here, the, the thrust, and you, you mentioned, you showed this. There's you know, this concept of praying right now. I think that we all need to be praying, not just for Ukraine, but praying for Russia, praying for cooler heads, mm-hmm. praying that that God will intervene, that angelic angelic hosts would intervene, that that people would hear the the messages of the angels of God to bring peace and not war, to to not bring about it continued um, throwing more fire, more weapons, more war at this thing. And um, we need to really be praying for the peace of Ukraine mm-hmm. and all of Ukraine. We need to pray for the peace on both sides. I mean, I, there was a song that came out that um, back in the day during the time of the Cold War by, um, I think it was, uh, I can't remember his name right now, Sting, and he said, I, I hope that, ch- that the Russians love their children too. That oh, was yeah, one, yeah. That I'm was really one of the so. phrases. We pray that the Russians love their children too because there was so much rhetoric to try to create a war between us and Russia. And, it, you know, and that's just insanity. They even came up with the phrase mad, mutual assured destruction. If this leads us into a nuclear war, nobody wins and everybody yeah. loses. Yeah, but there are a lot of good things. I want to give a good uh, message of hope because there are a lot of great things happening.
0: I mean, in a way, this could be God's hand. I'm not saying it is, but I I believe it could be that God is using Putin to tear down maybe the, the most dangerous group, which is the deep state. I mean, they have infiltrated every country just about the banking system. The whole world's in debt. And these guys have a chance to break the back of that. So that's one thing. The other thing is that there is a great awakening. People are waking up. You know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't have had people like maybe us on the radio or all the hundreds of podcasts yep. that are out there now. Independent journalism. They're saying the same thing we're saying. They're saying, hey, look, something smells fishy about this. I don't think I would have even heard of this 10 years ago. And so there is definitely a different mood, and and it's
1: harder to uh, trick people. Yeah, let's, let's – uh, I, I, I want to cut you off, but do you want to say – a prayer let's jump in for a few minutes here we got a couple minutes left yeah we just father we just come in the mighty name of jesus yes. and we ask for peace in ukraine father we ask that you would um whoever is pulling the strings there to create more um to just throw more fuel on the fire we ask that they would be silenced they would be halted and that truth and life and and and, and peace would be brought to that land And we pray, God, that the forces um, who are uh, advancing, both Russian and Ukrainian, would sit down at the table and talk. And they would come up with a peaceful resolution. This is what we're asking, God. I mean, we believe that. You said to two or more gathered in my name, there I am. You said that if you ask anything in my name, it'll be given unto you. And so we're asking right now, Lord, for healing of the people and the wounds of Ukraine and exposure, exposure of darkness and peace.
2: Yeah, Jesus yeah we also, we just pray, Lord, for the children of Ukraine, for the people of Ukraine, for the fathers and the mothers that are wanting to um, to take care of their little ones. We're asking that you cover them. We yes. ask that you send your mighty hosts. You say in Psalm 103, you send them. And we just ask that the, the skies of Ukraine are filled with the fiery light of the angelic protection of God over that country. We ask that you restrain the devourer. You restrain him from um, letting things escalate into a, a larger war. And we ask that you release a covering of your grace. And we say for everything that is dark and difficult, that you let your gospel light go forth. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lord.
0: yes, Lord. All right. Amen. Good way to end. Yeah. Good way to end. That, and it, we're just really thankful that uh, Eager took the time to... Uh, to be interviewed, yeah, uh, great. to allow us to interview him.
1: So watch the movie, uh, Ukraine on Fire, 2016, Oliver Stone, uh, Igor, uh, and also watch uh, Revealing Ukraine, so you know how to pray and you know what's going on. And also we'll be back here next week again with another a bunch of topics. want to encourage you to call your legislators and fight the bad bills that are going on in California. Please call, flood them with these are bad bills and we're not for them.
0: 1080
1: on your AM dial. Uh oh.